everyone. I'm Reverend Carla, and welcome to Spirituality Matters, a podcast that focuses on the intersection of spirituality and humanity. Now let's settle in and find that sacred space here between where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. The title of today's podcast is, If God is One of Us, Then God is Gay. Just going to put it right out there with the title. And as always, this podcast is inspired by my blog by the same name that you can find at numasoul.com. All right, I'm going to start with a little explanation about what it means to release our indoctrinated beliefs, because obviously we've got to get there if we're going to be comfortable in saying God is gay, God is black, God is female, God is non-binary. God is just living with this bigger question of, or or statement of God is, and not trying to anthropomorphize, in other words, give it human qualities in order for this divine being to be something that you recognize through your indoctrinated beliefs that religion taught you. So let's talk a little bit about those indoctrinated beliefs. So leaving a church or a religious community can be a challenging experience, especially for individuals who have spent a significant part of their lives being indoctrinated into certain beliefs, into certain ways of thinking, into certain customs and rituals, especially surrounding feeling comfortable with your spiritual community and your corporate worship and things like that. So these individuals, and I include myself in this, we find ourselves struggling with these conflicting emotions and beliefs and values as we transition into this new phase that we often call deconstructing. So a lot of times, even when you're leaving church or leaving your religion, you don't even realize that you're holding on to these beliefs. You think that the fact that you have had this audacious and brave and courageous decision to leave church, that that is enough, but that's just a decision. And while it might be difficult, the real work lies in peeling back the layers of those indoctrinated beliefs so that you are not filtering your human experience through those beliefs. And that's where the challenge lies. So indoctrinated beliefs are Those ideas, your opinions, your beliefs, your values that have been ingrained in you, in your mind, through your repeated practices, through your teachings, through how the sacred scriptures, specifically the Bible, has been presented to you. And let's just be clear here. Every denomination has a way of interpreting scripture that justifies their beliefs. As historian and scholar and theologian uh, Dan McClellan says, they negotiate with the Bible to justify their beliefs. That's how you end up with so many denominations. So these beliefs, they become not only deeply ingrained in you, it's who you are. It's how you see the world. It's how you see yourself in the world. It's how you see other people. And this, so when you leave church or your religious community, you may find that some of these influences, these beliefs still continue to influence your thoughts and your behaviors, even though you no longer consciously identify with them, they are still there. It's why they're indoctrinated. They're part of who you are. 
So one of the most significant challenges of releasing these indoctrinated beliefs is that we often become so deeply intertwined with our identity. We don't know where the indoctrinated belief ends and where we begin and vice versa. And that's why it makes it so uncomfortable because having those, it feels like all this warm, comfortable sweater that you wear, that your faith has been, has shrouded you in and kept you safe that you didn't have to think about anything else. Here comes a thought or you are exposed to a new human experience. Oh, that's a sin. Oh, that goes against God. Oh, that goes against the Bible's teaching. You immediately process it through that belief and spit out what your judgment or what the result is. So that can cause a lot of people assuming you're arrogant. Uh, What I've often heard is like the exclusive Christian club because you just immediately come to these conclusions about how people should be living. But alternatively, also what happens is that when you start to show up in the world and you're wanting, you desire to process the world differently because you you feel it's like this conflicting tension that you feel because you left church and there's a desire to understand the world differently, but yet you don't know how. You're not recognizing the fact that you're seeing the world through these indoctrinated beliefs. So it can lead to a lot of guilt. You can feel a little uncomfortable and wobbly, similar to when I, this was in the early nineties. So I'm telling you, it's not ancient history for me. I was raised Southern Baptist where we were absolutely taught it was a sin to for women to preach. And I had left the Southern Baptist. I was looking at other denominations. So I felt like I was progressing, if you will, in my faith. But the first time I went to a church and a woman was preaching, I wasn't ready. I had left church several years before, left the Baptist church several years before. But when that woman got up on the pulpit to preach, I couldn't breathe because I thought I'm going to go outside and I'm going to get hit by lightning, even though it's 85 and sunny today, because this is just an abomination against God. I was still holding on to that indoctrinated belief, even though in my mind, I was walking the walk of progressivity. It was still there and obviously it impacted me. So failing to release these indoctrinated beliefs can have a significant impact on your mental and emotional well-being. And it took a moment of deconstructing and we were not calling it deconstructing in the 90s by any stretch, nor did I realize that's what I was doing because I was still very much committed to the Christian church at that time. So these beliefs, now it's impacting not only how you might view the world, but how you're viewing yourself. And this conflict is very real and it can cause a lot of, of struggles. I can even remember when I started going to a church that, okay, once again, I'm moving towards progressivity that the minister was gay. And I had absolutely no problem with that. I knew that uh, being gay wasn't a sin and I wanted to just be immersed in their wisdom. And I wanted to also show my support. I had never been taught by anybody who was openly gay. And so I knew this was an important part of my deconstructing journey. So this was even before I went to seminary that I I was at this church and they were talking about a retreat for the church. Now, this was before same-sex marriage was legal. And they were talking about a weekend retreat. And I'm just trying to think like, wait a minute, these people are going to be sleeping together at this family retreat and they're not married. What, wait, I'm so like, I had trouble processing it. Part of me is embarrassed to admit this. So this would have been probably early about, probably about 2000. 
because I would have turned 50 in, um, no, it was around 40. I was, it was about 40. This would have been about 2010 because 50 is when I really just left the church. And, um, so this was right before I had completely left and I had gone to that. So we're talking, you know, 13 years ago for me, and I was still trying to process it till I really, I got in my car and I sat with it and I said, okay, this is just you once again, putting a value over the way people should live based on what you were taught. Now, what are you going to do about this? These are good people who, because of a statute, a legal statute, they are not allowed to live their lives. And what difference does it make? These are wonderful people leading a, a church in a wonderfully healthy spiritual way in spiritual community in ways that I had never seen before. Healthy dynamics, no gaslighting, no manipulating people to show up to feel like they were obligated to overwork themselves and exhaust themselves or tithe beyond their means. There was no prosperity gospel being preached. This was a healthy spiritual community. And yet I was having trouble judging them through this indoctrinated belief that I had no idea that was there. So, so processing this, it can be challenging and it's going to keep showing up in layers for you. You might think you're done and you'll come to another one. The goal, my friend, is to keep peeling it away. Even if it takes years, the process, the commitment to doing it is what you want to commit to. I think there's another kind of um, misperception. I think that religion said, okay, once you're saved, you're always saved. You're good. Check it off your salvation. Just keep coming to church and, and contributing in that way, but you're good. Spirituality is a journey. Spirituality is about as long as we're here, we're awakening to new levels of awareness understanding our human connection, making that commitment to always learn and grow. I am not who I was when I first started seminary in 2015. I am not who I was when I was ordained in 2017. I'm not who I was when I started TikTok in 2020. I am changing and learning more things about myself as I allow myself to be open and vulnerable and know that I have things to learn. So we want to make those commitments because failing to release these beliefs can have a significant impact on our mental and emotional well-being, but it also will stifle our spiritual growth and it will impact how we will show up in the world and the relationships that we will have. It's always worth it to do the work. Okay. So that's a nice little preface into our time here, but let me just start with what I said at the blog. When I wrote, I'm just going to come right out and say this, there is nothing more fragile than a former believer who never extracted themselves from the ideologies of their religious heritage. And I just gave you a bunch of examples why. So obviously I didn't go deeply into that in the blog, but we now call that extraction process, or many of us call that deconstruction. I did not call that when, even when I first came to TikTok, I didn't call it. I'm not even sure it's the word I prefer. It sounds a little too, what's the word that I, functional. I'd, I'd like it to have more meaning. So I always said untangling my religious heritage that no longer serves my highest good, even though deconstructing is a lot easier to say, I will still go back to that saying sometimes because I just need to be reminded that that's why I'm doing this work is to make sure that I'm showing up, doing the things that serve my highest good so I can show up a better version of myself and leave this world a better place than I found it. And it was better because I was in it. 
Now, I have a funny story here. So at this writing, AI is coming on and it's it's going crazy. And I really thought when I first started hearing about AI that we, me, the boomer generation, this would be the technology where I'd get left behind. And I was really okay with it. I don't like, oh, those darn whippersnappers, y'all don't need that. Just go back to the time that we had outhouses and we had to light our house with candles. Everything was simpler back then. I don't talk that way. So I understand that times are changing, and I, but I did not see how it applied to me. And oh, has it changed my life? Now you can be assured that what I'm saying to you here and anything I write to teach and inspire is coming from this brain. I have so many parking lot of ideas. It's like in the hundreds of how many things that I could write about and teach about. It's going to be a while before I ever rely, even though I know a lot of people are doing that for some of their blogs. But I will tell you how it's helping me. It's helping me with research. So when I'm writing about a specific situation, and instead of me having to go to seven different websites, I can tell it to summarize in 200 words or less of uh, the situation about the Khmer Rouge. And this will make sense if you've already heard the blog from um, last week. So I was able to have that summary without me having to do two hours worth of research because I'm very diligent and I still have to prepare for these blogs by, you know, a couple hours before I actually record them. So that has been a game changer because I'm busy with writing these blogs and the podcast and the content I prepare for social media and helping the team with the marketing campaign. And oh, by the way, I'm writing this book over here that's taking up a lot of my time. So I am very busy. So this has really been a game changer for me. So I want to try it to say what it would say about deconstructing Christianity and see what's out there. Because sometimes if you put things in, it'll say it's not going to form an opinion about like, don't say gay bill or something like that. I can't remember what I put in, but it didn't like it. And it wanted to say like, well, there's different sides to that, Carla, come on. Okay, whatever. But I put in something like explain the importance of deconstructing from Christianity after you leave church. I just want to see what came up. And it came back and it told me that violence against any religion is not encouraged. And as AI, I must, I cannot summarize this in any way, shape or form and must encourage you to practice tolerance. <laughs> okay, so maybe it's not perfect. And one time I, I was asking it to give me some lyrics from a song from Nicole Norneman, and it came back and kept giving me lyrics from a, a song from Garth Brooks from a totally different name. And I kept telling it, you're wrong. Never got it right. You do not want to rely on it 100% if you're looking at getting graded or you're needing unique content. Do not do that. So don't cheat. But anyway, I thought that was a funny story and one worth telling. So it's also when you you know that the importance of deconstructing and the threat that it's causing inside Christianity is very real when the mega pastors start talking about it. Now the word deconstructing has found its way to the mega pastors and they're talking about it all the time. And I remember Matt Chandler getting up and saying, oh, it's the sexy thing to do now, isn't it? And of course, we all on social media, especially on TikTok, had fun with that little, the sexy thing to do, especially in a couple of months later when Matt Chandler would be caught in a compromising situation that caused him to have to go on a leave of absence, which of course he's been fully restored because as in the patriarchal system, he's a man of God and we never question the men of God now, do we? Especially in a patriarchal system. Now we might run a woman over the coals for whatever her behavior is. But when it comes to that male leadership, 
you know that they're untouchable because that weakens the system. And that's why you'll always see them circle around. I digress. Let's continue. This is when you hear them talking about the deconstructing, this is church marketing 101. They are masters at it. They really should teach master classes because if anybody knows how to take something, bring it inside, own it, regurgitate it out to the pulpit so that you have those simplified talking points about what deconstructing is. So now the congregation has, oh, deconstructing it is a sin. Oh, deconstructing is a falling away. Oh, deconstructing means you have weak faith. And so now you have you have all these little parrots out here in the social media realm parroting this back out here with no foundation. They don't need it. The pastor said it. Now we can use it. That's the purpose behind that. And it it's impressive. It doesn't change the fact that uh, we're going to keep deconstructing. We expect this because we know what this whole indoctrination is about. So even when I'm sitting there and I'm watching a, a woman preaching and I realize that I'm hyperventilating because of it. And it's like, it's a sin. It's a sin. It's a sin. I don't have anything deeper than that other than the Southern Baptist Convention's hyper-focus on Paul's teaching because it reinforces patriarchy and makes sure that the male, white Christian male will always be at the top. All I'm hearing is my parroted, what was spoon-fed me from the pulpit that I'm parroting back. It's a sin. It's a sin. A woman can't do this. Obviously, I have deconstructed from that as a reverend, that I don't have any problems with this. Now, you will also hear this about, we love the LGBTQIA plus community, but it's a sin. Okay, so this is getting old. It's also getting exhausting because I do believe that the reason that a lot of people are leaving church is because of weaponization of scripture and the homophobia that is firmly entrenched in church leadership primarily in the evangelical conservative fundamentalists, but you will find them in the progressive churches. I know that for a fact, that that you will find them. My husband and I were involved in a, a Presbyterian church at a time when they were debating whether or not to ordain uh, the LGBTQIA plus clergy, and many churches were threatening schism, and it just happened in the Methodist church because it's still a hot, hot issue. So this arrogance is astounding at how you think that you could still be the gatekeeper of someone's spirituality based on your limited beliefs and the negotiations that you made with the Bible to reinforce that. Even though, you know, we're talking about such a small percentage of the population, but yet this hyper-focus, it doesn't really threaten Christianity. It doesn't threaten anybody except patriarchy, because any place that you are allowing people to rise above their original right of existence that white Christian men have allowed them to have, it wobbles the hierarchical structure. They're not willing to take those chances because it changes the mindset, the paradigm shift. And if you want rights, then who else wants rights, right? So it begins to weaken it. But I have something I want to say to you, and it's a little crude, but this is an important thing that we need to hear. Um, but someone commented on a video the other day, and I just zeroed right in on it. And I think you need to hear this. A white woman who doesn't decolonize from patriarchy. Now, I want to make sure you heard those words, decolonize from patriarchy. We often confuse decolonizing from Christianity or, or from evangelical Christianity or from your religious heritage or your indoctrinated beliefs, whatever. But a white woman who doesn't decolonize from patriarchy 
is just a white supremacist with a veg. Now I told you it was a little crude, but the purpose, I want to bring this layer here. And I've talked about this in detail before, but I never can stop, especially when we're talking about deconstruction, because right below that, as part of the phase, I do think deconstructing when you can peel, peel back some of the easy layers, but you're going to get to the part where you need to face your indoctrinated beliefs around race. And that's part of the decolonization. And if you don't do it, then you end up with someone who's still going to protect those indoctrinated beliefs in ways that are very harmful to the Black, Indigenous, and people of color, uh, which sometimes is called BIPOC, but a lot of people ask us not to use that phrase. They ask us to say, no, Black, Indigenous, and other people of color. So you need to be mindful of how we're using these phrases and respect those with whom you are in company with. And the best way to do that is just to ask ask pronouns and ask before you use language that somebody might uh, feel offensive. It, it's not hard. And it's also accept correction when it comes. That's not hard either. When we're willing to be open and accepting the fact that some of our language might be harmful. Okay. So that's a truth bomb that we needed to hear there. And I wrote a little bit about that in the blog, but I will be the first to admit that the real work of deconstructing is very hard. But when you dive into it and you really do it, it is not only worth it, it is life-changing because to live out free from that hierarchical structure that Christianity, primarily evangelical Christianity provides you can be so freeing for you to be able to see people in a different light is, is liberating. It's very healing. It provides ample opportunity for connection in ways that you may be missing that you never had in your spiritual community when you were in your indoctrinated beliefs. So I talked a little bit in the blog about some of the comments where I can tell people had not deconstructed, but I'm not going to talk much about them here because you can go read those in the blog, except for the part about we're still in this thing about Dylan Mulvaney, who has millions of followers, signed a sponsorship with Budweiser, and this sponsorship has ignited a firestorm. We know Kid Rock and many other white men are just so offended, and they are taking this opportunity to destroy all their purchased Bud Light. Okay, good on them. But the comical thing is, once again, when I talk about this, just regurgitating what you're spoon fed from the pulpit, none of them do research because they're filling their refrigerators back with other beers that are clearly supportive of the LGBTQI plus communities. I don't know what they're going to drink. Maybe Pabst Blue Ribbon. I don't know, because Coors Light has partnered with LGBTQIA plus organizations, sponsors events, including the New York City Pride Parade, which, by the way... I hope you get to see in person sometime because it is amazing. Guinness, the company has been a supporter of LGBTQIA plus rights for years and also has many uh, merchandise and material that's pride themed. Heineken has a special uh, limited edition pride themed packaging and Samuel Adams. The company has been a supporter of LGBTQIA rights and inclusion for many years. Well, okay, y'all got to get over it. I think I spoke in last week's blog or the week before about this problem with cis women and someone asked me a question to go a little deeper about that. So I'm going to talk about what cis CIS means so that you can understand a little bit more. But some women 
are upset and uncomfortable with being called cis women because they feel that the term implies a certain level of privilege or societal advantage that they don't necessarily identify with. So in other words, they're uncomfortable with their privilege, but they also think that they're just women. They don't want to have that extra label and it's burdensome for them that somehow it's gatekeeping them. And that doesn't feel good, does it? Yeah. So this term cisgender refers to individuals who identify with the gender they were assigned at birth. It's all it is. That's all it is. So using it is just a way to be more inclusive. You know, it doesn't hurt me to say I, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a cis woman. Sometimes I'll say it, especially if I don't know the people that, that I'm in. So there's no reason, even though it's a relatively new addition to the English language, it has been used more frequently in recent years because of the discussion around gender identity and transgender issues. And my goodness, I think about all the people who live their entire life in the closet because people could not handle giving them a seat at the table of humanity. It breaks my heart. There is a movie, I believe it's on Netflix called Same Love. And watch that. Watch that and tell me if you don't feel that we've gotten it wrong when it comes to the rights of LGBTQIA plus people, because I think we have. And I think this time in our humanity is offering us a mirror to face our own indoctrinated beliefs, but also our history. So many people, you're offered this mirror and like, and they respond like Kid Rock knocking them out and grabbing your AR-15 and blowing it up because you just cannot face the fact that you possibly have to give up space at a table that you do not own. You would rather be seen as this macho bravado that most people are mocking. Because if it takes a big gun in your hand to make you feel like a big boy, makes you feel big to take your big truck and to run over little tiny bottles of beer, it's the, it's the machinations of power that you have to put on you instead of the power that you have inside you. Go ahead, little buddy. Climb up in the cab of your truck and run over those little bottles of beer. I am so impressed by your power. Grab your big gun and shoot up the bad bottles of beer. Ooh, he's got a big gun. What a big, courageous man you are. Yes, I'm mocking because this is so silly. These indoctrinated beliefs are silly. Now, just today in the blog, I talk about how an atheist came at me for saying that being gay is not a sin and saying, well, you know, I don't care anymore. I, I no longer believe in the Bible, but it, it is a sin because I've read the Bible. It is a sin. Like, dude, you are a, an atheist. He ended up blocking me. Like I said, I wrote about it in the blog, but just today it happened again. This man came at me and said, I will tell you that you have never read the Bible or you would know that you cannot preach. But really, I don't care because I'm an atheist. And if you really cared about your spirituality, you wouldn't even care about religion because it's all a joke. You just insulted me for being a woman preacher. And then you turn it and say it doesn't matter anyway. They have no idea. They have no idea what hypocrites they are. And the fact that they're holding on to indoctrinated beliefs and talking out of both sides of their mouth. And how comical it looks. The irony is, it, to me, it's fascinating that this happens all the time, but it's coming from the same space. I am not comfortable giving you space at the table that somewhere back there, I was told that I get to gatekeep. 
And I don't want to let that go because something inside me is so small that the only way I feel like I have power is by limiting yours, by suppressing your rights, by making you feel less than. That's how I feel bigger than. It's all coming from the same place. I often tell people when we are ready to peel away those layers or untangle whatever the words mean to you that I say, consider this journey as one where you're extracting yourself, then you begin deconstructing and decolonizing and commit to that however long it takes. Once you've committed to it, it is a journey, a lifelong process that you should be not only willing to do, but look forward to do. If not, we will always come to a place that we will protect and justify our gatekeeping as if it's our right to do so. Now, here's where you go, okay, wait, the name of this podcast is if God is in us, then God is gay. Where is God in all this? Where is God in everything that I said? And I really, I want you to know, I can't answer that because part of my indoctrination, I gave up trying to answer that. I live in the mystery and the wonder of trying to find God in humanity, in the work that I do and how I connect with others, because we got it so wrong in that element of religion. That's what led to extremist thought, extremism. It led to a lot of bloodshedding. It continues to do so today. It threatens our nation with being run by Christian fascists right now as I'm speaking. But what I, I lost so much, I no longer will proselytize my faith. I no longer feel like I have the right to gatekeep anyone's spirituality. I no longer feel like I'm spiritual superior over anyone else. Yes, I will push back on people who feel that their religious beliefs give them to right to judge. But when we make the commitment to deconstruct is where we find this mystery of God is. Because there we have this release that allows curiosity and wonder to come into this place, this peace of mind that no longer requires us to contort scripture to justify these beliefs that have harmed so many others. So who is God and what is God? Well, this course that's coming up in June is going to be powerful. My collaborators are some of the best. I'm so honored to be in this space with them. And you're going to learn more about it and who they are. But these are the people who have been experienced depression based on who they are, their sexual authenticity, the color of their skin. And they're going to share their stories in beautifully poetic and powerful ways. And I can't wait for you to hear this, but here's what I have to say to end this. God is gay. God is black. God is female. God is non-binary. These are powerful expressions of the divine that challenges to the traditional patriarchy, the heteronormative and racist concepts of God that have been perpetuated throughout history. These phrases recognize that the divine is not bound by human constructs of gender, sexuality, or race, but rather transcends all of these categories. This is a mystical understanding of the divine, and it's reflected in many spiritual and religious traditions, which often describe the divine in terms of non-binary or non-dual concepts such as oneness, unity, and transition. So by recognizing that the divine is not limited to a specific gender, race, or sexual orientation, we open ourselves to a deeper and more inclusive understanding of spirituality. 
This understanding allows us to move beyond the limitations of our own perspectives and biases and embrace the diversity of the divine. In doing so, we can create a more just and compassionate world that is rooted in love and respect for all being. Beloved, it's time for us to release the Bible. It's time to stop weaponization of scripture. The abuser always fears the abused, finally being freed from the chains that bind them to the abuser. But if you haven't abused your power, then you have nothing to fear. You fear what others might do to you because what you have done to others. That's quite the reversal of the golden rule. So I know that each human has the right to exist free from fear that another might strip them of their human dignity. I know that if this universal divine love exists in all of us, then every human's expression of love is sacred and valid. So simply put, if God is, then God is indeed black, female, gay, and non-binary. And that is what deconstructing looks like. And that is why it is sacred and blessed be. Thank you so much for listening. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on my YouTube channel, Spirituality Matters with Rev Carla. And as always, you can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. You can also find me at my website at revcarla.com. I'm so honored to be in this space with you, beautiful souls. I pray that you receive something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week and I will see you soon. Bye for now.